Uh, good evening, dear listener, wherever you are in the world, and at whatever time of day, or indeed time of your life you happen to be at, you're listening to The Podding Shed, a meandering journey into the labyrinthine minds of people who should have better things to do in life, but sadly and almost inevitably choose to spend inordinate, inordinate amounts of time on Chelsea FC. Well, we've feather-dusted the old shed down, we've given it a lick of paint, and we've run a cloth over the window to the Garden of Joy that is Chelsea Football Club. This is episode 87, or episode 1, depending on your outlook on life, but it is the very first of the new 2017-2018 season as defending champions. If only we had anything to discuss. The episode is, of course, as yet untitled, but of course our dear leader, Nick, will cast his expert eye and ear across the recording and undoubtedly pluck a title relating to something funny, <coughs> fantastic, futile or furious with which to name it. So, cracking on, just like the club who knows what it wants, who it's letting go and how to deal with all the surrounding PR in such a way as to always look like the model of efficiency and fairness, let me introduce tonight's <coughs> Podding Shed Board. Starting with me, of course, my name is Tony Glover, you'll all know that, uh, also known by my Twitter handle, at UK. and for tonight I will be the Steve Atkins of the podcast, making sure that all of the other board members speak in turn politely and fairly without diminishing the brand or upsetting our Chinese friends. <laughs> First of all, let's welcome back after a summer break and by all accounts a pretty decent pre-season, our chief pillar of musical interludes and pithy comment, Donal, aka at Dr. Underscore Blue Bio. Welcome back, Donal. Uh, sorry, I was, I was just uh, I was just briefing the Daily Telegraph. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yes. Good evening. Good and, evening. Uh, yeah, it's great to be back, and uh, looking forward to uh, you know a, a successful season. Uh, for the podcast, for the podcast, I'm not so sure about the team. <laughs> Plenty to discuss on that. Um, and uh, we welcome back after a, an impressive first season, um, one in which he has managed to irritate Archbishop David Chigi of that other fine podcast, Chelsea Fancast, by not only appearing with us first, but also now second. Um, to which there was some banter thrown around in the pub garden uh, regarding this. Uh, it's direct and very thoughtful Martin Wickham, also known as at Martin underscore Wickham on Twitter. Good evening, Martin. Good evening, and it's the third time, and I think he still wanted me on his quiz team last Sunday, so I think we're even. <laughs> oh, right, OK. Which you won, didn't you? Yeah, team effort. Yeah, team effort, I yeah. yeah. Well, uh, not according to Chidge. Okay. Nah, he's, he's, he's doing himself down a little bit Is there. He right? Okay, yeah, well, he's always been quite um, uh, quite self-deprecating like that. Um, and finally, and by no means last, a man you can find in any pub by merely standing in the garden of the car park, or garden or the car park and shouting, Dan! 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 In the style of Alan Partridge. Um, we, I am really chuffed to welcome back the lovely Dan Silver. Good evening, Dan. Welcome back to the Podding Shed. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's good to be back. Yeah, it was good to see you on um, on on on, uh, on Saturday. Um, it was it was a real joy actually. The the the, the back garden of the cock was a a hubbub of um, laughter, banter, and um, and it was really nice because actually someone came over and introduced themselves to me, Dan, and Chidge um, as a long time listener of the fan cast, and her husband went and bought us a drink just yeah. by virtue of that, which was very nice and uh, unexpected. Um, 
So, let's kick off uh, part one. I just want to go into a sort of review and preview. And as I alluded to before we came on air, um, is I don't really sort of go into the pre-season stuff. I think, you know, we it was it was as usual, a kind of meaningless mixed bag of, of pretty much rubbish and, and a caning of Arsenal who um, seemed to save um, their, their revenge for when it really matters against us. Um, but so let's start with a discussion on the first game and and, and it's kind of the events surrounding it um, uh, against Burnley, um, a, a game of course which we lost. But um, one overriding thing that, that, that seemed to come out of it for me um, was that it, it united fans uh, in the ground, um, like very few games seem to do, even games that we win. Um, you know, there's almost a kind of expectancy sometimes in the ground that you're going to win a game and, and, and you're at home and we're fairly invincible there. Um, but on, on Saturday, you know, we, we we got off to a calamitous start. Um, we finished the half, the first half, reasonably strongly after a, basically a calamitous first 40 minutes where heads were lost, um, uh, uh, players got themselves in silly situations. Um uh, but a second half which rallied uh, the troops, as it were, uh, and and uh, and I came out of the ground absolutely you know, buzzing um, uh, and as excited and thrilled as I've been at a game probably since uh, a bit of a thriller against West Ham a couple of seasons ago, where I think we were two 0 down and came back to two two. Um, so I'll kick off. I'll, I'll I'll go to you first, Dan. I think. Um, but your your thoughts in it, and you can talk about anything. I've got lists of things down here, like the officials, and you know, I mean, they were very much a talking point. But uh, kick me off with your impressions of the game, and 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 some highlights, lowlights, and players, and whatever you like. Yeah, um, it's kind of a weird sensation because because um, of all our um, drinking action and the uh, the cock, I couldn't quite make it to half time without getting to the toilet. So I didn't realise it was three 0 so I came back up again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is oh, 3-0, that's the goal. Like, what do you mean 3-0? Yeah. Um, my bladder's getting a lot older and can't handle it. Um, I thought, I mean, let's deal with the, you know, the elephant in the room, but I think, you know, Cahill, it was intent, it wasn't nasty, it wasn't malicious, not in his game, but they're given. He put it in to make a tackle in the middle of midfield. Um, Fabregas was stupid, silly first yellow card, and stupid, probably quite immature decision to go for that tackle. So I've got no real complaints about the red cards. It's the consistency, the referees, that it's our biggest issue. Had he, you know, but more than one Burnley player not made Rod for his own back by Bucky Alonso in the first few minutes, we might have seen a different game. But I thought the spirit, the desire, the fight, the hunger in the second half, I thought it was really, really impressive. And, you know, nine against 11, you know, a lot of very positives. I think we had, you know, proper injury time, not the four minutes. I think we'd have got at least a point. Um, I thought Morata had a very, very good game when he came on. Uh, Batshui was poor, but then you know, arguably he didn't have a huge amount of service. And I don't think he's a target man, he's a finisher. Um, but ultimately, the game won't define our season. You know, losing to Burnley is not going to have, you know, it's a bad start, but it's not going to define the next 37 matches. And there's enough positives from you know from the game to think you know we're going to be all right this season despite all the doom and gloom from our friends <clears throat> in the media so yeah uh yeah not bad not Martin. well i think i've finally you know decided to watch the highlights back this evening and i when i was in the ground i thought everyone around me just went intake of breath when kale dived in and then the red card was like it wasn't anger it was more oh god and then mm down to 10 from then it was always kind of expected having watched it back clumsy yes red card offense i don't really think so um 
things. The referee was pretty poor, but I think his worst decision was um, right at the end when he booked Rudiger at the end for the crime of getting knocked into by him. <laughs> yeah, <it> was, <laughs> yeah, but I think it was, it was folks, the, wasn't it, that um, yeah, pushed him into the either way. Treated yeah. him like a skittle and he fell over <laughs> and got a yellow card for his troubles. And yeah. That was probably the worst decision of the lot, but I think with referees on the start of the season, they obviously have their pre-season meeting, for want of a better term, and they obviously are looking at cracking down on certain elements of the game. I mean, last season, they seem to be, for the first few weeks, they were really focusing on shirt pulling in the penalty area and there was penalties given as a result it looks like this season they were looking at tackles that are similar to what Cahill did and some dissent so Fabregas was doubly stupid <coughs> but if, if they were looking if they were looking at that Martin Arfield had to go in the second uh, yeah. half didn't he because Arfield's yeah. tackle was arguably worse than Cahill's and I think that's really what what's got people you know riled up is that you know yeah is that to do that yeah, if he'd sent off Arfield, you know, then you could probably, you know, have less to say about him. But I think it was the fact that he didn't send Arfield off, and he could have sent me off as well, because me was me went. Uh, was it Morata? He went to, he went through him and scissored him. And if you saw what happened to Piazon, yeah. If you if you um, saw what happened to Piazon last night, breaking his leg playing for Fulham you know that was uh, that was a guy it was by football standards a perfectly fair tackle supposedly but you know he ended up because his leading leg went in one side of Pearson his uh, his thigh then caught Pearson's leg and, and broke it so you know by, by the standards he set himself with Alonso and and, and uh, Cahill he should have sent at least one possibly two players off I see and that's, I, I, that's I, I, the problem. And I think I, I you know, I, I, I've got written down here, you know, forty thousand people. Can they all be wrong? Because um, when you get a referee in performance like that, and I, I, the last one I remember that was that bad was Clattenburg, um, I think versus City. Was it a few years back when? I mean, Torres got a red card, and Mikel, he, you know, allegedly uh, used some racist yeah, abuse against Man U. Oh, was it Man U? Was it? And, yeah. and I, yeah. I, I, I seem to think that I remember back to that. You know, we were we were okay at ten. We looked good, but of course at nine men um, against a team like Man U, you, you're kind of dead and buried, really. Um, and uh, interesting enough, Clattenburg um, came out in favour of, of Cahill uh, and said, "You know what? This sort of tackle happens more often than you think." Um, Pete Watts, uh, who, who tweets quite a lot, um, he he said it's, it's, ridic- it's getting ridiculous now that this this automatic because you're showing the sole of your boot it is an automatic red card, and I, I you know well, I couldn't really see it from where I was. Um, I've looked back at it and I thought that point in the game, the captain of the home team, who who is known not to be a malicious, dirty. Mm. Um, yep. sort of player or whatever you know a, a more mature ref might have um, erred mm. uh, on the side of caution perhaps and just said listen one more even one more that's nowhere near as bad as that and you're off yellow card mm. w- warning given the issue is when it goes above ankle height which it was I think it had been you know because the foot was high 
and yeah, he didn't make a huge amount of contact, but they, you know, the intent is there for a dirty challenge. Mm. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a tough one. I mean, I think he, did, he didn't make. He's a middle midfield. He didn't need to make a tackle. That's yeah. that's the issue. I'm like, yeah. kind of trying to be be the devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, it, was a, it was a stupid, it was a stupid red card. You yeah. know, right in front of the referee. You, you know, you look at the John Joe Shelby. I think what he did on Sunday was far worse. But I, I, my biggest gripe is consistency of the referees. Yeah. You know, I don't care if we get red cards, but as long as they, you know, they, they do like for like, like with Scott Arfield. I mean, that was pretty much in front of where I was sitting. And he, you know, he went in, he didn't make much contact, but it was late and it was high and it was no yeah. worse than chaos and yet he got away with it. That's the, that's the big issue of referees yeah. consistency. I had a, just digressing, I had a, a quick Twitter conversation with Mark Halsey about it. And I, I suggested that, you know, the referees need a massive overhaul. They need somebody football related you know, the senior management team who who gets football. Yeah. Because these referees have not played football at the top level. None of them. No. Either they, either they should look to fast-track referees from, you know, lower league players who maybe haven't got enough to retire because they get the game, they'll see tackles, and you know what? That's a football tackle. That's not a bad tackle. What about, what about the Dan, they'll also, they'll also be physically fitter as well. Absolutely, Because yeah. they've just come from the game. They'll be able to keep up the game more. With regards to the Cahill tackle and showing the sole of his boot, there was another point made on another podcast. It was a thing as the football ramble. And they made a point, I hadn't even considered this, that because they've changed the boots these days, so it's more of a soft upper, so, you know, for yeah. better contact and all that, that you're at more risk if you lead with the front of your foot on a tackle. Hence, you see more people showing the sole of the boot in the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's it, because it, uh, the modern football boot is, is pretty much like, almost like a... a it's a sock. Yeah, it's a sock. <laughs> or a, yeah, it's, a so- say, it's a sock with studs on it. Yeah, a bedroom yeah. slipper or whatever. And, 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 and that, I think with the Fabregas thing, um, so we were all a bit bemused at the, in the Matthew Harding uh, upper, because we were sitting, what's he got sent off for? It turns out that he was sarcastically clapping the referee, because the referee gave a foul against him for being fouled. Um, and I go back to this maturity thing, where the ref... Could, you know, the letter of the law says if you're sarcastically applauded, blah, 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 a more mature ref. And, and, you know, it galls me to say it, but a Mike Dean even might have gone over and said, you know better than that, pack it in. Yeah. Right. But but the thing is, Tony, you can argue that Paulson, by the book, was correct on all the decisions apart from the the Rudiger thing at the end of the game. Yeah. You could say by the book that, that he was correct. His big problem is is that he had one standout opportunity to ref Burnley properly, and yeah. that was the Arfield challenge. By my book, I think the me challenge was <clears throat> was dangerous, and and I think what happened to Piers on last night bears it out. The Rudiger thing, and th- this this really comes to the to the nub of it, is what is going. What is a man like Pawson doing during a football game on a Saturday? How does he get? All the major decisions going one way. Referees are always going to make mistakes. You know, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, fractional decisions in the penalty box or, or a handball, is it ball to hand? You know, ultimately you have to say, you know, that, that's a, a, you know, a human frailty that we're never quite going to overcome. And video, video will tell you whether a ball crosses a line and so on. Some of these are still judgment calls and video will never take that away. What I don't understand is how someone like Pawson has so many opportunities to to ref the game properly, um, consciously makes a decision. You saw him play with his earpiece as he was walking over towards Arfield. Now, whether he was trying to get advice from a linesman or listening to the fourth official or just it was falling out of his ear roll, who knows? But he got Arfield 
palpably wrong. And the Rudiger situation, the game was at fever pitch. Chelsea were were 3-2 down, pressing for a third goal. Burnley hoofed it up the pitch. Now, you could clearly see in real time that all the players fell one way. And Luis went down, Vokes went down, Rudiger stumbled into them. So the collision was was Luis and Vokes. And if Luis is the first to fall over, then he hasn't pushed anyone over. But he, he, he came running down the pitch, and of course we all thought he was going to give a penalty. He gave a free kick right on the edge of the box and booked a player for something he could not possibly have seen. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what he says. He never saw what happened. But he panicked and he came legging it down the pitch. And they hit the post. So that could have made it 4-2. And, and I just think I just think there's a there's a, an inbuilt bias in some of these guys, not not against Chelsea per se, but somehow they get in a game and they just build up decision after decision that only ever goes one way, mm. and it, there doesn't appear to be any any way of, of of justifying it, and and someone has to do something about it, you know, like at half time or they've got an official in the stand, they got a fourth official, someone's got to say to them. Steady on now. You've just, you know, th- this is getting out of hand because yeah. it was a mess. Yeah. Dan, sorry, you were. Yeah, so two points because um, there was an angle that was taken from the shed, and I asked Jonathan Kidd, who's a qualified referee, and his opinion was the angle that Pawson was a long way from the the action was that he looked like Rudiger had barged into Vogue. So arguably a he wasn't in a particularly good position to referee the match and b you know you can't just guess and give a yellow card on the assumption you think no. that's what happened mm. secondly all these you know and they were getting take away from the chelsea situation but the, the you know these these video refs like they have in american football you should be maybe able to have one or two appeals a match if you think a decision is wrong you can get this turned around in 30 to 40 seconds literally yeah. say okay yeah you know what you're right you keep the appeal whatever it is like you know the cahill one maybe yeah. they could have appealed it because it doesn't take long to get something turned around. You know, the goal line technology was the best thing they've bought in football for a long time. And they should have, you know, maybe, you know, one or two appeals a match, um, to, you know, for dodgy decisions. Because, yeah. you, know, you know, you've got, you've got referees in the stand, you've got multiple cameras all over the ground. So it's not going to take very long to, uh, to do it. I know there's argument about, you know, should we be doing it, you know, as you go into Championship, League One, League Two? No. Premier League is pretty much a standard, though. League One, League Two are, you know, they're just a, just a feeder for the Premier League. So I think, you know, that would be an option. Yeah. And, and also, just the ref- referees need to be held more accountable yeah. as well. So that's, that's that, issue. A, a, um, I'm just going to, Dan, you've got an awful lot of noise around you. Not, it's just, it's like the wind blowing or, or something. It's, it's, oh. yeah, it's, it's yeah. all right. That's no, fine. But it's just that when, it, when you're doing it, it's so your voice is coming over the top of it, but the, it's the wind or whatever mm. it was was a bit of a distraction. Martin, I'm just going to throw this one to you. Um, because, um, uh, I, I, I sit at the Matthew Harding, um, and there was a, a point in the second half, I think, where we were pushing quite hard. Uh, the ball was down our end, um, and um, I think it was as uh, uh was was battling for the ball. The, a Burnley player, I don't know which one, um, turned, got the ball, went to hoof it up the park. It hit another Burnley player and went behind, which, to my mind, is a corner. And the lino was right on the corner flag and he gave a goal kick and even the Chelsea players were like hold on a minute okay and we all clearly saw it it clearly hit the Burnley player okay and went out and we come to the conclusion that the ref the the, the officials the Pawson gang 
were potentially just so overwhelmed by what was going on in the game that they were getting decision after decision wrong. Any thoughts on that? Because it was it was blatant to us. We saw it. It happened. Yeah, I, th- I think I remember what you were talking about, and mm. I was just only oh, the Matthew Harding layer as well. And we're like corner, corner, come on. And then you see the goalkeeper. What the bloody hell's yeah, going yeah. on here? So yeah. we weren't sure if there was an offside given, a foul given, or something. It's just crazy. But what you're saying about you know refs, you know bad decision piling on bad decision. Yeah, I think you could be very much right there because I think they did. They were under pressure. I mean, Paulson did look a little bit like a rabbit in the headlights. I've only seen it now on the the highlights when he had to stand back at half time and get the escort off. Yeah. And the escort. He dropped, he dropped his cards. He dropped his cards a couple of times. Um, you know, which yeah. you know, it, it, it could be accidental, of course, but it, it's kind of summed up that he was dropping cards. He's nervous. I think he, he's, he's, his earpiece fell out a couple of times, and it just seemed that he was, you know, <laughs> and I don't think it was helped by the fact that the crowd were obviously, you know, getting more and more, you know, irate at him. But it was just a, a kind of point that, you know, sitting in the car on the way home, and I said, I just think they lost it. I just think that as a as a team, which is how they're supposed to work, they lost it. And I think Dome has got a great point in actual fact that the, the kind of high court possibly should be the fourth official or someone in the stand. Yeah. There's an assessor there. There's a yeah, yeah, but, you know, the assessment is a reactive thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, whereas, you know, maybe the fourth official, you know, would have the fight sort of jurisdiction to say, listen, and, and, you know, just put the message out at a point in the game where the ball's gone out or whatever. And I think it goes back to the, we saw a lot of time wasting. Now, you know, we, we know time wasting goes on because when a little club comes to a club like Chelsea and is winning, they're going to do whatever they can to waste time. Bournemouth did it last year, even though I, th- I don't think you know there was any danger of them winning. Um, certainly, Sam Allardyce is a master of the art of um, you know pushing the boundaries of that. Um, I think you know when I, when I look at it, it was for me. I don't mind any any time being beaten fairly. It just didn't feel fair because it wasn't a reciprocal um, you know decision making. You, you've, you've only got you've only got to think of if you get. If you take the game and you take it up to Turf Moor, right, and one yeah. of their players, we all remember the Matic, the yes. tackle on Matic. Yes. So you, you imagine that happening in the first 20 minutes. So that's one of them gone. And then a couple of them get booked for descent. And then a couple of these mad, silly throw-in, you know, or corner things go against, go against them. And then, you know, on top of that, one of our boys ploughs into one of them it's a red card, but they only get a yellow. And just imagine that accumulation going on through the game at Turf Moor. Yeah. And then they're, they're almost getting maybe the equaliser or the winner. And then we get that free kick and they get a booking and we score from the free kick instead of hitting the post. And, and that kills the game. Mm. How, how even tempered and how objective about the referee's performance would you expect Sean Dyche to be? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, he already sounds how like content? a Dalek anyway. Mm. So. How content? <laughs> and he would just say that that is refereeing bias yes. in favour of big clubs. Exactly that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all we're saying is it doesn't always seem to break that way. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind referees making mistakes. What I, I object to is, is the ridiculous um, piling on of one situation after another as happened on Saturday, something was going on. And, you know, some people will argue that you need to look at what, what result was in the market 20 minutes before the game started and how much money moved around the Far East on it. You know, because 
Well, that, that has been mentioned. Yeah, people. Uh, that, that was that was quite a. You know, I'm not saying that's what happened, no, but but it was quite but a few. Leave th- yourself open. You know, the you integrity do. of the sport, which is so affected by John Terry going off after 26 minutes. Minutes exactly. Yeah, uh, the day he retires. These sorts of events happen, and no one takes a blind bit of notice. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm um, going to move. I'm going to move it away from that. I mean, I think, um, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, I've, I've said it before. If you're if you're three nil up and you get a player red carded, it doesn't really matter. You can't start blaming referees. You know, you you put the game out of reach of somebody. Uh, refereeing decisions become less and less um, of, 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 of an issue. Um, I, I, I want to say that we, when Cahill went off. There was a 10 or 15 minute period from that point onwards where we were all over the shop. Uh, discipline went, um, they, they completely, completely lost their heads. And, and at one point, uh, and because one of my sort of contenders for man of the match was Rudiger, I thought was absolute beast. Um, but there was one point where Louise, um, you know, clearly chested the ball down for Courtois to come off his line and shouted for it. And Courtois stayed rooted to his line. And in the end, Louise had to kind of panic and kick the ball out for a corner. Um, uh, and Rudiger, you know, Louise and Courtois started yelling at each other. And Rudiger was in the middle of them saying, shut the fuck up, basically, the pair of you. Um, and it, it just kind of indicated that all was not well on the pitch. And, um, that in the old days, if you go back to the the best of the Mourinho teams, a player getting sent off meant nothing. Yeah, it's effectively you just you 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 just close the gap a little bit more. It was just a, a brick from the wall that had gone missing. So yeah, you just spread yourselves a little bit more, and it didn't matter. But on Saturday, when Burnley, to all their credit, absolutely exploited us with. Um, you know, I think that the third goal was just appalling defending. I think the second goal was a very good goal. Kante could not yeah, tackle him in goal. the box. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and the first goal, I, I think Courtois could have done better for. Um, so over to you three chaps for a discussion about the actual, the, the, the physical, the game itself and what happened, you know, to us in that, especially in that specifically in that first half. Martin. Got, you know, oh, so Dan. Then. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there didn't seem to be any real, immediate reorganisation for about 15 minutes. Like People were kind of like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? Um, first goal was soft. I mean, from where I was sitting, looked like Courtois was slow to react. Second goal, you just got to take your half and say, that's, that's an absolute fantastic goal. And third goal, you know, he's in between the full-back and the centre-half, which is which is a problem season before last, when our, our right side of the defence always seemed to get caught with headers. Um you can't legislate for players being sent off that early. You need a leader to, you know, we all going to say, right, you know, you go here, you go here, you go here. You know, maybe a midfielder should drop back to make into the three. So just complete disorganisation for for the, that sort of 20 minute period. I, you know, I couldn't see if Conte was trying to gesticulate or, or get us reorganised. And we gave away, you know, two soft goals and one great goal. In my view, I think, you know, poor, yeah. say poor, poor marking, Poor goalkeeper in a, a blinding finish. So, yeah. can, can, <coughs> excuse me, football's very fine margins, as, as we know. You know, yeah. got to half time at 0 0, could have been a very different game. Martin? Yeah, I think we just completely lost the heads, both, you know, in terms of discipline, the yellow cards for descent, and at the back, we were just, I mean, Sam Vokes' free header for the third was just, it was like a training drill. The only way way I could describe it, I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was watching. Um, yeah, I'd, if it's a difficult, difficult to criticise when you've effect, effectively you had two of the back centre back three making their debut in Christensen and Rudiger. I know Christensen 
played a tail end a couple of seasons ago. So they were feeling their way. And I thought Rudiger looked a little bit nervous at the start as well. There was this weird moment where he kind of turned into a, a slightly thinner Kurt Zuma where he was trying to <laughs> work the ball onto one foot before he played a pass. But he did settle in and Christensen, he almost got a, sec- almost got a goal in the second half. So mm, yeah. I think hopefully he's, gonna, he's in with a shout of the next three games. Okay, we're suspended. Mm. Hopefully he does get a look in... Um, well, more playing time. I hope so, and and, and Donal, it was a, a point made on the, on the fan cast, haven't I? I think by, by Clayton Beerman, um, who actually, <laughs> hey. what was that? Um, he got garlics in. <laughs> no, it's just something. It's just normal street life. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was going to say, Donald, um, yeah. what I was going to say, Donald, was that um, yeah. I thought Christensen and, and Clayton summed it up the other night saying he put in a, a really good performance in what was an absolute car crash situation in that in that first half. He was, he came onto the pitch with a team that were frankly all over the shop um, and, and mm. it didn't put a foot wrong. It was unlucky actually. I think um, we pointed out that the Maratta touch which made it offside was pretty much a striker's instinct, you know. Um, there's, there was a bit of debate as to whether or not the ball was going to go in or go over, go wide. Um, but your thoughts, perhaps, on Christensen and Rudiger? I mean, the new boys in general, uh, you know. Um, any any thoughts, Donald? Um, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I watched the game in, on, on the on the Saturday. I haven't really looked back at the goals since. I don't know how culpable any individual was, as opposed to as a unit um, my, my feeling was that Burnley suddenly had an enormous amount of space on their right hand side uh, that was probably a combination of um, Alonso being on a yellow so early on and with the reorganisation I don't think they quite closed down the you know Chelsea didn't close down their left hand side enough because I think what two did two or all three of the goals come basically from from that side, in terms of the crosses, um, and you know the, the, I think the second, second goal, which yeah, which was a really good finish, but it still built up down our left hand side, and it was a ball from left to right over the top. Kante, you know that the full as Pelicueta had tucked right in, Kante was sort of caught in no man's land. He should probably have been, you know. Looking back on it, four or five yards further over, because you know Burnley were only ever coming at us down down the flanks. They were never coming up the middle, and um, you know we ceded, I think, far too much room to them on the flanks in in this in this mad fifteen minutes. Where yeah, the defending defending was shocking. Other than that, I mean, in terms of Christensen himself, I thought there were some periods in the game where he showed some real maturity on the ball. You know when obviously Burnley were pressing high up the pitch and trying to trap the ball in the corners. And there was some very fancy footwork between uh, himself, Kante and Aspilicueta um, and then working it back across to Courtois, you know, working out of those situations. And he seemed calm um, and comfortable on the ball in a way that perhaps Zuma never did. And, you know, certainly against if he played against someone like Spurs, he would need that because they're always going to press really high up as, as they always do to try and trap the ball in the corners. Um, you know, and I think the problem with Saturday, yeah, the, the response to the sending off and then really own in terms of 
creativity, there was really only William who was in any way looking like breaking beyond the form. You know, we, we, we had the ball, we moved the ball around generally in the game quite well, other than that mad 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But it was only William who really looked like someone who, who was making them think, you know, as long as they covered the build-ups, they were fine until obviously Morata came on and his movement combined with William and then started to make a difference. I just don't think, you know, personally, I don't think the Fabregas Kante midfield, it should work against teams like, you know, the, 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 the more limited teams at home. Um, I think it got exposed once we went down to 10 men. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that, that was a lot of the problem. Yes, who was attacking the ball, who was marking Vokes, etc., is one side of it. But they got the ball in far too easily because we didn't close down in midfield. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to see it on a screen. It's much better to be there. But I always feel that the Kante Fabregas sort of midfield combo is, is never going to close the ball down enough. I think Fabregas gets overrun too much in the two anyway. I don't think he's got the... Yeah, no, he needs, he needs to be in the middle three. of three. Definitely. I think, yeah, he, he, hasn't, he doesn't do enough donkey work, for want a better phrase, if he's in the two. Even against yeah. a you know, team you know, less equipped, I think he, he'll get overrun. And Kante, as good as Kante is, he can't cover for the work Fabregas doesn't do. Fabregas in the middle of a three, say, you know, back of Yoko, Fabregas, Kante, then he'd work because, you know, there's no, no doubting his ability of picking a pass and the runs Morata is making, you know, that could be, you know, you know, a great prospect for future yeah. games. I thought Morata was um, uh, a, 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 a real, another real positive in the game because he came on, he looked dangerous, he put the fear of God into Burnley. Um, mm. His goal was... Um, uh, Crespo-like in that uh, he, it's almost like he had a Romulan cloaking device and he was invisible to them until the, he, you know, he got his head on the ball um, yeah. and kind of revealed mm. himself. I remember Crespo used to do that uh, pretty regularly. Uh, and the other the other thing I liked about um, Morata was his, his touch, his assist for Louise. He knew what he was doing. He absolutely mm. knew yep. that he was playing at ball in and Louise Finished it like an absolute. I mean, Louise was yeah, there was there was some there was some venom in that finish, and the, and the fact it was that an ang- was, angry finish. Yes, and, mm. and the fact that he sprinted into the into the into the net to pick the ball up and run back with it without letting any Burnley player get anywhere near him, <laughs> um, I think sort of summed up the spirit that was going on at the time. So people have said, "Is this a repeat of Mourinho's?" And I, the one thing that we never saw during Mourinho's um, unfortunate, uh, awkward second album season. Um, was that 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 kind of spirit and that fight back which we saw in spade loads I think in the second half yeah. nine men I mean you know our players when the final whistle went yes they were blowing out of their asses but so were Burnley you know they were pretty yeah, much I mean, it didn't even, yeah it never occurred to me it was Mourinho-esque after that game I just thought there was so much bizarre spirit yeah there wasn't there wasn't an air of negativity around I think you know if you come look back with hindsight that Swansea game there might be you no know, there wasn't an air of excitement. You get no. on a, you know, first game of the season. I just kind of felt you know, it was. They're still playing for Conte. The crowd are behind Conte. Yeah, you know, all, all the papers can write all the shit they want, but you know, yeah. we, we saw what those players put in for. Yeah. You know, best for eighty minutes on and, with and, nine and, men. And that, you know, to make it clear, you know, if there is anybody that's not a Chelsea fan that ever listens to this, you know, we were not booing the players at the end. We were booing the officials. Yeah. The players were it, cheered it, to the rafters. Yeah, got me. Big Mark was a Costa chart. That was a bit naughty. He ever started that off in the? I think yeah, yeah. And, and I'm going yeah, to move on to that. Uh, there was that was two other points that sort of raised was the Diego Diego chant, which I thought was uh, completely disrespectful to Batshuayi. He may not have been having a good game, um, hmm. 
but he was he was starved of service because I actually think we can do without one of Pedro, William, or Hazard, but not two of Pedro, William, or Correct. Hazard. And yeah. I think William battled uh, very well. He he he, he his work rate was phenomenal, but he was running into a lot of blind alleys because he had nowhere else to go. Mm. Uh, and Burnley were particularly good at times at shoving him down those blind and showing him you know down to those blind alleys. Um, yeah. But mm. we do have. But that, I, think, I think the other thing disrespectful is just is, quickly. Yeah. Um, was Pedro, William, etc., and Hazard, yeah. But we're very, very dependent on Alonso and Moses and don't really have proper options when no. either of those are not no. around. No. You know, Azpilicueta is a fine player, but he's not, he's no, not a wing, wing back. back. No, so definitely not. He's not dynamic he, enough. No. If something happens to Alonso, um, yeah, we've probably got Kennedy or someone, but yeah. we don't have two, you know, those two... Well, Positions are, are very, gonna, very, yeah, oh, exposed. Yeah. I am going to move it. I'm going to move it on to uh, part two, Conti and Costa. We will talk about them. Um, uh, uh, but on the Kennedy point, um, when the team was announced, um, and Dan and, and um, Ma- uh, Martin will back me up. That most of us that were in the back garden of the cock were more than surprised because we thought he'd moved on. <laughs> How's he been picked then? <laughs> you know, um, but I guess, you know, at the end of the day, he, he got himself a, a few minutes on the pitch and maybe, uh, maybe the, the China thing's forgiven. Not that I thought there was much in that. Anyway, um, I'm going to move on to, um, part two, uh, where I want to discuss, and I think I will go into the Costa situation first. Um, uh, I think it's, it's a story that's, uh, uppermost in, um, some Chelsea's uh, fans mind but also a lot of non-Chelsea seem to be getting themselves involved in this because um, there's a kind of Marmite split of we've treated him shoddily and shabbily um, and then you get um, I, 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 you know you get pundits of the level of Andy Townsend saying that we've been flippant about a 20 goal a season player um, and that we've made a terrible mistake and that you know things should be done and that they should be made up and he should be brought back into the fold Ian Wright saying uh, quite rightfully in my view that um, Costa's a bloody disgrace uh, in the way he's behaving um, so I'd like to take your, your thoughts on the situation now, I'm just going to throw my tuppence opening first and then let you you let you three sort of battle it away for ten minutes on on, on Costa, but I was going to, you know, for me, uh, he's he he's been spectacularly disloyal, and this looks to me a bit like a damage limitation exercise on the part of his agent. Um, I tweeted out uh, an interview with Conte and Steve Atkins, which was very clear that he'd been told, and his agent had been told in January, that there was he was not going to be part of the club's plans for the this season. Um, the Daily Mail just turned up. On off spec, you know, just happened to be speak Spanish. Yeah, yeah. so, so you know, it just to me. But I think the other side of it is as well is we know uh, it's quite public that he's asked two or three times to leave the club before. Now he's professing his undying love. Um, uh, the, the, the 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 mole um, blue squirrel that uh, a few of us have got to know. Um, you know, it says that the, that the the camp isn't happy. I've actually, I do also know somebody. Um, with some big contacts in the club, who says that the players aren't bothered in the slightest yeah. by him, um, and uh, you know, so any any kind of idea that you know there's this kind of dissent and dressing room click going on because of Costa is a load of old bollocks. Um, so I'll leave it to you three to to thrash this out. I'll start with I you, mean, Dan. I think. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think if there's you know maybe, maybe the Brazilian entourage probably miss him because you know they're all they're all very close, but I think he's behaved appallingly. Um, He's, he's, he's a professional footballer. It's embarrassing. He should have come back, got on with it, and got a move. Um, he knew in January what was going on. I think the rumour was, had we got Lorente, 
we would have sold Costa there and then, but we couldn't get Lorente. I think you just don't do that as a professional footballer. You know, you, 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 you should, as a human, you should, you should be better behaved. And, you know, you know, he's been fined hundreds of thousands of pounds. Says him, right, you know, he wants to go, fine, come back, train, put your head down and we'll sell you. You know, sticking a, sticking in Brazil on a beach, taking a dog on a bloody jet ski is not the way to do it. You know, I think, you know, no, no player is greater than, a, you know. I'm <laughs> oh, no sorry, player. but that, that image is still funny, whichever way you look at yeah. it. But the fact that it's Costa is, makes it less funny, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, sorry. I, I, there's no, there's no player that's greater than the club. You know, whoever it is, you know, you could, you could, you can run through a list of legends. No one great, there's no one bigger than the badge on the front. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Costa was great for us, but he had a piss poor middle season, a fairly decent first season. He disappeared for the second half of last year. So you think, you know, over three years, he's probably only got one decent full season out of him. So, you know, yeah. yes, he's a good player. Yes, on his day, he's a handful, but there's a, there's a lot more shit that goes with the good and I think you know Murata looks so much he's a different player I think he gives a lot less headaches he won't be quite as you know temperamental he won't be getting stupid bookings and stupid suspensions listen don't get me wrong I think he's you know love watching him play and his you know his hunger and his desire when, he, when he's on his game there's very few better than him but all the baggage is is, is a real negative and I think if you know Conte wants him out then I'll, I'll back Conte over Costa you know 10 times out of 10 Thank you Martin Well um yeah, that journalist turning up in the a backwater in Brazil called Legato, just on the off chance of catching well, Diego like Costa, and just you know he just happened to turn up at three nil down. Um, we're not stupid. We know that someone on Costa's entourage's tip and the wink said, "Look, he's got a story to tell." But it's so many things that he says that are contradictory. I mean. There's, I think there's an article on the ESPN website which just goes through the points Costa made one by one and it rebuts quite a few of them. So the whole thing about I wanted to stay, well, no, you didn't because you asked out on a, at least three occasions. And, yeah, I mean, for the, the talk about, you know, the worry people in the dressing room backing Costa, it kind of it's a little bit similar to um, the Danny Rose thing where all of a sudden there was a follow-up story saying he got... You know, people slapping him on the back and selling, sending him text messages saying, you know, well done, it had to be said. It turned out it was all a load of bollocks. Mm. So I suspect it's, and it's all come from the same paper <laughs> who've done the original interview. So they're basically burnishing their own story. And Mark, it's all for. Marking their own homework, yes. Indeed, yes. yes indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Donal. Um, I spent um, uh part of the weekend uh, rifling through the bins outside the Daily Mail and I was lucky enough to turn up the uh, the tape that your man brought back from the Gato <laughs> and I had to listen to it and, and the bit they cut out um, they claimed that Costa was, was was watching the game when they turned up but when you listen to the tape he wasn't, he was actually sitting in his room playing the guitar to himself and when you hear the song he was singing it's it, it's it's quite instructive. Did you just have a listen? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've saved the tape on here. You can stand it. I can stand it. Dish it out. Here you go. I've laid around and played around this old town too long. Summer's almost gone. Yes, winter's coming along. I've laid around and played around this old town too long, and I feel like. And that sounds like a man who's made up his mind to me that he's going, doesn't he? 
he sings English yeah, better than he speaks it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's openly, he's openly admitting that he's been laying around town all summer. And and he's ready to move on. So I think you know, I think yeah. case case closed, Your Honour. Yeah, um, I, 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 it makes me laugh because um, you know I could almost picture him sitting there, um, almost at the dueling banjos kind of stage. <laughs> to be with fair, his, though, with to his be dog fair, side. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, in, what what amuses me most about all these articles, and and you know, to, to be fair, the club has been just as appalling all summer with all this briefing that goes on in in you know selected journalists and selected newspapers, but no one, you know, do you know who his agent is? Have you seen his name mentioned? Well, it's not Jorge Mendes, that's for sure, is it? So it certainly is. It, it is. is not, is it's it? Menders. It's yeah. Menders. Oh, yeah. God, I thought yeah. it wasn't. No, okay. Oh, well, there you go then. So there's, behind all this is a very, very large, you know, soap, perfumed soap washed, you know, well manicured hand making all this happen. You know, yeah. that, that's... Parasite. You know, he's... He'd, if 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 your man turned up, you know, somewhere out in, in the back beyond in Brazil... Mendes had no knowledge that they were going to turn up. He didn't know any anything about this. Obviously, the whole Atletico Madrid, you know, transfer ban is, is probably the thing that, that has created this situation more than anything else. Would be my view of it. You know yeah. that that yeah. you know he was going. Everyone knew he was going. The Conte text thing, I think, was something to to you know create a a buzz around the thing, you know, and, and make it seem like he'd been badly done by because obviously they, they, they couldn't move him on. Well, you know, Mendes couldn't move him on to Atletico Madrid. I Chelsea, get rid of it. You know, I, it just... It I, just I, 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 I take the view. I mean, number one, I don't want him back at the club because I think that will create clicks and will give a, a chance for, you know, for him to mingle and destabilise or undermine or disinform or whatever. And the second thing, yeah, I think the whole thing about the text, you know, okay, so that in that interview, Conte looks, doesn't look angry, he looks bemused, right? Mm. He looks kind of like, how the hell has it got to this? We told him. Steve Atkins, um, it, it, the frustration in his voice, very clearly saying, they were told. And he mm. should do the right thing and come back and, and, and basically do the do do his time and we'll get rid of him or whatever. And the second thing is, irrespective, and, and this is all the stuff, and we're, oh, I'm going to lead into Conti from this as well because I think we said a bit about Costa. Um, but um, who made that text public? Conti didn't. Mm. If Conti sent that text and it is now apparent that that wasn't the first time he'd been told he wasn't part of the plans, why did Costa go public with it? You know, to me, if I sent any of you a text that had something like that in it and you went public with it, that's your problem. I'd just turn around and say, well, fuck him. He's, you know, if he wants to get upset about that, he already knew. But the fact is, Conti has kept his, uh, kept his gunpowder very dry on the whole situation and tried to avoid any, you know, bad publicity or whatever. And Costa seems to have gone out of his way, uh, to court it, generate it, uh, and then goes mm. public with the text. Uh, and then tries to tarnish Conti with the fact that he sent him a text. And, and you know, to me, that says all you need to know. Personally, mm. they, you know, that's just my view. On the Conti front, I'm going to sort of move on. With can, can I just say one more? Yeah, yeah. So go on. Yeah, go on. Last season, you know, that early part of the season, and he still contributed after Christmas, although not as well. You are talking about 
it was on it was on a goalie game yes at one point and you know probably finished the season somewhere around a goal every two games you know phenomenal strike rate admittedly the team around him is 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 contributing to that but you know Morata looks good and and you know we we cross our fingers etc but he don't as as Chelsea have found out in the past he don't replace players like that that easily no you know and it's a real pity that it's come down to this because you know not so much in the Mourinho second year but certainly this year he was a joy to watch in that early part of the season it was fantastic. Yes, you know, it, was, it, it was, and I'm not yeah. sort of taking anything away from yeah. Drogba. Had many a moment, you know, where where he pissed me off with his <laughs> something's very broken at Chelsea after Jose got sacked and that. But uh, he seemed to always manage to drag himself back and do the right thing by himself and the club. And he, you know, ultimately his career totally benefited from it. I don't think Costa. I don't think. And I don't mean this in a kind of denigrating way, mm. but I don't think Costa's that intelligent. I don't think he's got Drogba's sense of um, intelligence and worldview, if you like, on that sort of stuff. He's very much about himself. Um, and whilst I take that point that he's done, I'm with Dan. We've had, a, you know, at best a season and a half out of him. His form went off a cliff after Christmas. Um, you know, and this was, there was the odd contribution. Um, uh, you know, and I mean, he got the he got a sneak rise in, in, in a pretty ill-styled FA Cup final where virtually none of the team turned up. Um but I'm, 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 I'm kind of at the point of thinking, um, you know, I always wanted a coach or a manager, call them what you like, who had that Ferginess about them. You talk to me, you treat me like shit as a, a, a player, you know, there, there has to be one boss. And we've said it before, we said it all the way through the potting shed in Mourinho's second season. In fact, I think me and Mark argued about it, you know, that the fact that the players have so much sway over the owner. Uh, and actually the, the rumour was the, the owner turned up, went down to the players and said, Mourinho's gone, but that's the last time. That's the last time you lot get that player power, you know, uh, 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 thing there- again. And I hope they haven't this time. And I, you know, I think if, if, if that was Conti's way of saying, uh, I can see what's going to happen here if, if Costa stayed, um, then, then he's done completely the right thing. I wonder now that JT's gone, that whole kind of, that whole, you know, golden generation of Chelsea players aren't going to have Roman Zero as much because you look at who we've got left. There's yeah. not one single player left no. who could potentially, you know, do what what JT. You know, J, look, JT had a lot of power at the club, but maybe, arguably, it might have been a bit divisive to some managers. But now he's gone. Yeah, maybe may, may, as well. Yeah, yeah Branagh, Mikel, yeah, yeah, all yeah. those players. That whole that whole fantastic generation have gone, and we've got to start, you know, from zero. And yeah, you know, yeah. Club, yeah, I just but- hope that. Moving on to Conte, I mean, at the moment, I mean, there's a lot of talk about uh, his demeanour. Is he sort of feeling the pressure? Um, you know that uh, you know, we've got information through our source, which we're not going to sort of ever divulge or whatever. But you know, the, the kind of stuff that was coming back to us was that it was not a happy camp at the moment. That Conte himself wasn't happy. Um, I, I, I had similar feedback, but it was more to do with the fact that it was a frustration rather than a, a dislike of London or, or, or anything like that. Um, I've, I've seen a less happy demeanour about him, but I don't think I've seen an angry or, or particular, uh, you know, he, he doesn't like losing. He doesn't even like losing friendlies. So when he comes out, you know, he, when we, when we got him, there was always this thing about, you know, I don't want to see players leaving the pitch smiling after they've lost because, you know, I want to see him upset because I will be. Uh, and I think this, you know, maybe now the press, he's had his honeymoon period with the press and the media. 
Uh, we're now getting selective snapshots and selective video clips of a man who apparently doesn't look as happy as he did last season. And it's all very selective. And I think, you know, the, the average fan doesn't look through that. They don't look at the overall picture. They look and go, oh, well, he, yeah, he obviously he's unhappy. He's on his way. Uh, then you get the backbiting from idiots like Townsend. Um, and you get uh, it, the, 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 the press pack, the likes of Paul Hayward and that, who seem to think that Conti should do more to accommodate Costa. Um, you know, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not with it. I, I would, you know, a very good thread by Blue Tinted Nick, I think it is, on, on Twitter, um, sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, the coach is there to look after the first team and that's it. That the strategy and everything is done by other people. Um, and, and we, we should be used to it by now. In other words, it's a token position. You get there, they get two or three years, they win a couple of trophies, move on. I'd hoped it would be different with Conti. Um, so I'd just like your, your, your thoughts on it because, um, you know, I, I think we, we, it, it, at the moment, there's a little bit of me that thinks it smacks of Ancelotti's second season rather than Mourinho's ill-fated one, but. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely does, yeah. Very much. I agree with you. Sorry. Yeah, no, I want you to. I want you to jump in. That's what I want. It's, it's over to you, three. Um, yeah, I think it's Max of Mourinho. Uh, sorry, of uh, Ancelotti. Um, that that feeling that they, they just whatever they want to do about you know player strategies, etc. It just feels like I don't know. You say that they're getting two and three years and they're winning stuff. I was just thinking about it the other day. Ancelotti won the double in his first season. He was gone by the end of the second. And, you know, the rumbling started in the summer. He ended up starting the season with, with a squad that was perhaps too dependent on, um, you know, young players who weren't ready, etc. Um, <clears throat> you know, Mourinho got, got a better crack at it this time round. But, you know, everyone else seems to get, you know a year and they're gone and you know once Mourinho had won the title the next year it all fell apart again they they just there seems to be this inability to other than Mourinho's first you know uh, three year stint no one's stayed for any length of time and yeah we, we've had this discussion millions of times yes they, they've had all this success etc but it just seems, you know, the Ancelotti thing and the Conte thing tie very much together for me because you've got two men who, who came in with what wasn't perceived to be a Premier League winning squad and got the best out of it. You know, we're not saying these were the greatest Chelsea teams that ever walked the earth, but they got something out of them and, and took their opportunities. Yes, some of the opposition teams were, weren't as strong as perhaps they should have been. But, you know, it's just... It's mind-boggling that there should be this misunderstanding about who wants what. Surely, when Conte came in, if it wasn't made clear to him that that you know he could ask for a few players and they'd see what yeah. they can do, if if he or you know it's his fault if he's decided, well, I'll, I'll sign up to that and then I'll force my way in. Yeah, that, that's his fault. If he was given to understand that he'd be supported with money and he hasn't, and by that I don't mean that every time Chelsea want a player. He should magically turn up because they're in a different market now. Mm. We Chelsea are by no means the big beast in the jungle anymore, no. and you know they can't they can't just click their fingers and, and, and a player will turn up. You know we're not going to have those summers like we had with, with Ranieri and so on and, yeah. and the early Mourinho, where you know loads of players turned up. But 
it's it's the briefing you know that's going on Chelsea are constantly briefing against Conte Conte is obviously wanting certain things and not getting them the whole thing is unsatisfactory it's interesting it's interesting the way you've 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 done that and I just want to make that point I mean Martin um uh, you know, I, I've said my piece, and I wonder whether or not, you know, what's happening with Conti, if it is a repeat of Ancelotti. I, I would just say Conti is a good friend of Ancelotti, so if he wanted to know more about Chelsea, I'm assuming he would have rung him and said, what do you think? Um, sure. Uh, you know, so it, it, how, is he sort of slightly culpable in some way by naivety? But also, this, as Donal made the point there, you know, sort of this constant turnaround of coaches, I don't know how you feel about it, but do you think it's an, yet another thing that kind of disenfranchises the fans from the club a little bit? Yeah, it's tawdry. I mean, the briefing has been going on for the last two weeks. A couple of days ago, someone got to the Telegraph and said, actually, Conte okayed Matic leaving. They said, okay, so what could handle this in-house, lads. Yeah. Briefing journalists, counter-briefing, it's not good. It pisses fans off. It's why you get rubbish like, you know, an announce this player and people getting packed off at the perceived lack of signings. There was a, something I read a few weeks ago, and I, I was shocked by it. In terms of money spent in the summer, this is the most Chelsea has spent since Abramovich's first first arrival. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's £130 million, isn't it, I think? You know, yeah, so. it's, it's, yeah, it's about that. And even if we don't know who's going to be signed yet, we can probably assume there's going to be 40 to £50 million more spent yeah. by the time the, de- the deadline closes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's, I think I've... Have, haven't got a problem with the players that have come in. I have a massive problem with some of the players that went out. Yes, I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only one who thinks that. Yeah, 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 I think so as well. Dan, and did they go because Conte wanted, didn't want them, or did well, they go because it's part of the development, I, you know, plan? Who knows? It's, yeah. Well, I think Ake, Ake, and Chalabu. Ake got capped by the Holland team. I think around March time, and he got his first cap. And okay, lovely, well done to him. I think his thought was okay. There's a World Cup coming up. If I want to get my way into the World Cup squad for Holland, I need to be playing first-team football. Where am I going to get that Chelsea or Bournemouth? So he's just yeah. done the maths and ended up yeah. at Bournemouth. With, with Chalobah, he's no longer eligible for the England under-21 squad, where he's, I think he's the most capped player in its history. Yeah, and South, yeah Southgate's, a, Southgate's a fan of his, but he's obviously said to him, look, I can't justify picking you in the full team unless you're playing regular premiership football. Yeah. Hence, yeah. he goes to Watford. So, I've, I've, in a way, I, I really admire the players for you know taking the career into their own hands and not just deciding to sit back on the bench and take the money. I've, re- I've got a lot of respect for that. Which, which is what um, Lukaku did. It was Lukaku yes. agitated for the move yes. for, for similar reasons, you know, that yeah. um, it wasn't just because of a missed penalty in a Super Cup. Um, certainly paid off for him as well. Well, it certainly has. Dan, your yeah. thoughts on... on, on uh, throw your Tottenham's opening in here. Uh, I, I, listen, I think I think there's, there's pros and cons about the policy since Abramovich took over because you've got to look at the success we've had. So you know, is it, is it in spite or because of? Um, you, you may you may argue that the whole you know shit, shit storm started in Mourinho's fourth season. Is that where we signed Pizarro, Sidwell, players like that, and then he yeah, Al Ben Ayi. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you maybe you maybe argue that this whole kind of cycle started the season four under Mourinho because the first three years was two, you know it was what seven trophies or something yeah. and you know and Schlotty didn't get the players he wanted AVB went in like a bull in the china shop had he behaved a bit better he may have got a better chance um, Scolari didn't get the players he wanted there's, there's a theme that running through the club that our boards are not football people we don't have okay I mean I has got some football yeah. background you know yeah. a girls coach and a, a two bit team where he comes from yeah. played in a world cup 
Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I, I ultimately look at Emanalo and think, would I rather have Emanalo in that position or Michael Ballack? Ballack. You know, I, it's, it's a simple, you know... You look at Man City as an example, they have got that structure spot on. Yes, they've got significantly more money. They've got uh, Tixie, yeah. Bagheerestein, Barcelona legend. That whole system is pretty good. They get, you know, they've got Pep in. They've bought some good players. They could do very, very well. Yes, they've got they've got a country behind them as opposed to a, yeah. you know, an individual. <laughs> but you could you look you look at it on a Chelsea deal on a slightly smaller scale because that struck everything from top to bottom. The Atia campus, they, they they come in and they've they, 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 maybe they watch Chelsea. I don't know, but that—that's a—that's a model that we should be following. You look at the players they've bought. You know, the players we've sold. Yeah, we, we should, we should, we should be fighting for some of these players. I don't know what the situation is. You know, well, Banaskaya, Emanalo. I mean, that's uh, doesn't inspire me. Doesn't inspire me. Yes, listen, Emanalo is always going to be the Marmite man because he he doesn't get a very yeah. good press. You know, he's done some good things as well. He's not he's not a complete and utter no, buffoon. He, yeah, exactly. I mean, Mark, Mark, for every Eden Hazard, there's a Marco Marin. But it doesn't, I don't know. If, if everything funnels up to Bramwich at the top, it's almost like counterproductive having those people in there. Because if, you know, you've got to go up to Bramwich to get everything approved, why is Emanuela there? Why is Granascar there? Yeah. If, if, she, if, if Bramwich says to Granascar, right, maximum bid's 40 million, maximum wage is 150 grand a week, see what you can save. Well, there's your limit. What's what's going to happen? You know, because yeah. I can't I can't believe we're not buying players for what? you know Sandro. If they want sixty five million, we're at sixty five million quid. Is yeah. not a lot of money when it comes but to TV I, rights and so on. Yeah, I, I've actually looked at, looked into it and, and, and I thought to myself about that that whole situation. You know that you've got maximum bids or whatever. I, I was very intrigued by Dan Levine's um, uh, tweet about it, which is you know at the ultimately there is no board at Chelsea. Roman is the board. Yes. Yeah. Get that absolutely straight. It's, you can you can deflect it around um, Buck, um, uh, Tenenbaum, uh, Graniskaya, and 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 Emnalo all you like, um, but the Buck stops with Roman, and he's got to find five hundred million pound for a stadium. So this was this was an inevitable squeeze on spending, I think, anyway. Okay, because he's already put the, the feelers out for funding and investment for this. He's not going to self-fund it completely. So there's a bit of an about turn in mm-hmm. that sense. Now, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who say, well, we don't really need a stadium. We'd be better off. In a, or actually, if you want to compete with the likes of Spurs and Arsenal and Liverpool, who have all built their stadiums up and United have done that as well, um, then we need a, a bigger, better stadium. That's a fact. It is mm-hmm. absolutely. And if we're going to have one, I've always said, I'd rather have the best one in London. I want something that's a bit of a showpiece. Mm-hmm. That I, as a fan, can go. That's my stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but, but the, the difference in revenue is probably negligible. The TV. Oh, rights, I, 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 mean. I totally agree. And and the yeah. TV rights, you know, at the point where you think it can't get any more stupid in terms of what the TV companies are paying, 198 million pound gets spent on Neymar. Um, <coughs> now, admittedly, that's another country-owned club or whatever. But the fact is. It's just ludicrous when you get to that point. And I, I, I was chatting to Martin about it in the pub, I think, on, on Saturday, saying, at what point is there, where's the turning point here? And I just get a sense that the Neymar transfer could be that pivotal I point think, where... Yeah. But, but Tony, we all accept that there's a stadium to be built and, you know, we can all accept that, that you know, they're all, everyone's got different views on what players should be bought, what should be sold, etc. And... You know, the realists amongst us probably accept that we're not we're not going to be spending 198 million on Neymar, and you know, 
we'd be horrified probably if we did. I think what what I find irksome and coming back to it is this is this constant leaking and and you know um, little stories here in the press placed by very obviously Chelsea stories placed by agents etc. Now it goes on with every club and and you can't shut it down completely, but it's the way the club seems to be you know the biggest player in all this leaking and you know you've got you've got a world class coach and i don't care you know whether he's driving some of his staff too hard as 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 one leaked mm. story tells us you know they got the man in because of who he is yes. and a bit like ancelotti and you know uh, Mourinho, i think is a different character and he had previous w- with the club but you have ancelotti you, you've got conte you've got men who who, who will win things yes. now and, i'm not and, saying and, and, and represent I'm, the club properly yeah. Sorry, yeah, and yeah, represent exactly, Tony. People that you can you can feel quite proud that you're, yes. you're you're watching them. Yes, some of these guys are where they are because they've got big egos. They see you know money that Guardiola's got you know to spend. Surely it was made clear to Conte, you know, that the spending would be within certain bounds. And you know, I just it's it's that same old same old of of a guy suddenly wins you something and it was almost out of the blue same yes with well, double with ancelotti yeah. against expectations yeah so you're then back in the champions league so we all know that he can't play the same 11 players every week for a season like he did last year so we know that the squad's got to be built up why can't this all be done you know yeah. as martin or dan said earlier on behind closed doors why do we have to wash it all in public and you know we're all now left with the feeling that yeah we Burnley was there's always one mad result at the beginning of the season and it happened to be Chelsea this year it's other teams other years but if we do stumble if things don't go well for a couple of months while Bakayoko comes back Hazard comes back etc we all now in the pit of our stomach are thinking you know, is 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 Conte here at Christmas? Yeah. You know that that's that's yeah. where we're all. And do you know what makes it worse is I, I sort of collect bluegrass recordings, and Bruce Buck and and some of the other directors down there they they formed a little bluegrass band, and they they played they played um, <laughs> at the staff barbecue there in the summer, and and, and, and just just listen to this recording. <laughs> Oh dear, I did. Been on the job too long. Yeah, yeah we all know which it's going, don't we? Yeah, so there you go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly move. I, I I'm just gonna um, I've got a, a simple question uh, before I go on to the uh, the outro. Um, we've we've done our hour, um, and uh, and it's, I think we could probably go on for a little bit long. But I think Dan is probably you know, probably chewing his hand off because he's uh, he wants his dinner. Um, the dog. <laughs> it's in the dog, is it, mate? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say that I don't. I don't think our our squad is as threadbare as we think it is. I think once we've got uh, suspensions and all our injuries back, I think it's good that we've got the likes of Masonda and that. And I think you, you, you've got to have a few kids in the squad. The idea that you know, we, yeah, we did let a few too many go, and perhaps Zuma was a bit of a mistake letting him go. Um, but you know, I, I think once you have all them players back, you probably wouldn't think um, whatever. I think we need two players. I hope one of them is Oxlade-Chamberlain, 
although Wenger's now making noises uh, against that. Um, so I'm going to ask each one of you in turn how many and who. And I'm going to start with you, Donal. Um, oh, blimey. This is what I'm worst at because, you know, I've got so little football knowledge. Um, if you ask me which players we should buy based on their banjo playing ability, I could probably help. Um, I, we need a cup. We need a couple of wing backs. Not because I don't think Alonso and Moses are up to it. I'm not in that club. But, you know, you only need one of them to be injured for a long time. You know, the wear and tear, you've got to have some players who can rotate in and out of those positions. You know, they might be slightly more utility players, but they've got to have more attacking flair about them than, than someone like uh, Azpilicueta has. And I think, you know, that would be the major upgrade that I think we need um, we obviously um, we have Bakayoko uh, Kante I think I'd, I'd love to know why Matic handed in a, a request to leave that was, tapped up I can't believe yeah, um, yeah tapped up. allegedly yeah you know and, and <laughs> I'm, I'm firmly as, as always in the camp of you don't win things without a mad Balkan and we don't have one anymore no. so I, I would be I would be searching you know the clubs in Croatia and Belgrade and stuff for a, another central midfielder that we can chuck in there as a as a backup. But yeah, one central midfielder. I think Batshuayi will be fine. Maratti will be good. Yeah. So I think it's wing backs and a central midfielder and the, the wing backs from the attacking point of view yeah. rather than defensive okay. point of view. Dan, yeah, um, agree with Donald. Two wing backs, midfielder. Maybe a third striker, maybe Lorente, possibly. Um, listen, I love Sandro. I think if he's there to be bought, we need to go out and put, you know, put the money on the table. I think he, he may be one of those last-bit deadline day signings. Um, this is as, as great as Moses and Alonso were. Football's very brutal. If you can upgrade on what you've got, you know, you know, love and emotion goes out that window. So if we can get better players in, wing backs, then bring them in. You know, and it, as good as they were. Moses can't. Also, I'd, I'd like something to teach Moses how to take throw-ins. But that's that's yeah. Not, <laughs> when we all yeah yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, a central midfielder. I mean, I know when the, the whole drink water thing was um, started, I said I'd rather be drink vodka. But, <laughs> you know, we need three to four players maximum. You know, okay. and hopefully this year some of the younger players will get you know some game time. Yeah, well, Fogel Fog- 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 was unlucky on. Yeah, he, he was very, he was, very yeah. unlucky. He was, yeah. and and, and, uh, and Hans Christian Andersen, like I said, I thought he did particularly. Well. I'm going to call him that because I know yeah. it's not his name, but it just Anders Christensen, Hans Christian Andersen, for me, one's easier than the other. Um, and that's it's a it's a it's a it's a very uh, complimentary affectation. Martin, your view, please. Oh, well, I think it will be three or four. I think we need of wing wing back positions for competition. At least one or two midfielders, and as if the rumours about Virgil Van Dyke, if he ever becomes available, I know we've, we're more than amply covered in central defence, but we have to consider a bid for him. Yeah. Well, okay. I would on the wing backs. I, the person I would like us to sign is from PSG, Serge Aurier. Uh, not because I, he's, I have any idea on his talent, but this is a guy who got suspended by the club for filming, him, filming himself getting high on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Coating, <laughs> absolutely 
he made allegations that Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the coach of Zambla Laurent Blanc were having an affair. And I think, you know, if, if we are going to put every, put all our dirty laundry in public, we at least make it funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he could, could replace the Mad Balkan um, with, with, yeah, with something the, else. The Mad Ivorian. Yeah, Mad Ivorian, yes. Um, there's also he may not actually be allowed in the country because he's got an assault charge pending. Oh, good lord, crikey. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quickly finish off um, we're going to the outro any second now but um, again just a, a, a quick one sentence um, I think the coating that Gary Cahill's been getting on Twitter is a disgrace um, yep. I'm Absolutely. fully behind yeah, he made a, a mistake but lest we forget JT and the Barcelona semi-final um, players do they do things in the heat at the moment his was more clumsiness I think than, than, than anything else um, the idea and I, I'm with Alex Churchill uh, who um, who, who um, absolutely has been virulent this week on Twitter and has been it's been a joy to read um, some of her threads. Um, I think she said something along the lines of, "If you're using hashtag not my captain for Gary J Cahill, then I've got a hashtag for you, and it's hashtag you're not Chelsea." Um, it's it, I, I think criticism of a player for a bad performance or a, a, a cock up is okay. I think threatening you know his kids with bombs and guns and his family and uh, some of the vile stuff that's been going on is 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 out of order um and yet you never really hear it from many fans at the ground so uh, a quick line from me to you start you with you dan so you cut out what was the question sorry uh, it's really just about gary cahill and the treatment oh, he's, listen he's, he's a great player he's not a fifa player that's why all the muppets on social media don't like him i think he's a very good very solid player not world class but what he's well for us what he's done for us is he doesn't deserve any shit in fact none of our players deserve any shit yeah you know the last person deserves shit was Jokanovic that's how yeah. long ago this... <laughs> oh, I to, I, I'm sorry I have to take uh, issue with that but we'll, we'll sort it out on the cobbles later yeah. <laughs> I'm ready ok moving to you Donal uh, a word on the Cahill um, treatment I don't I, I've given up uh, sort of with Twitter you know taking anything seriously in, in, in those sort of terms I think half of it is just bots I think it's all those all those spare bots that the Russians aren't directing at the White House at that particular <laughs> moment, or you know, there's no big election that they're trying to they're trying to turn over. So trying to destabilise Chelsea. <laughs> so they just they just leave them on sort of you know general run around and do whatever you like sort of mode, and they just come up with they see Cahill mentioned and they just put lots of English swear oh, words around it and send it out. So, I think that's. Yeah, the, I don't I think, take any sort of notice yeah, of it. I think that's the greatest theory I've heard. Martin, your view? <laughs> well, I certainly can't top that one. No. Uh, some of the some of the abuse I've read is absolutely foul. Really, I mean, his constructive criticism is okay if he makes a mistake. It's fine. Mm. He knows he made a mistake Saturday. He knows he's absolutely sick of getting recorded. What I found what I found most amusing was one in particular was oh, he's he's only in because of his English passport. There's no such fucking thing as an English passport. Oh, yeah. I know. You know. Oh, it's just, it, it, so, it, it, an English passport sounds like something Nigel Farage came up with after a few too many bottles of vino. <laughs> what planet are these people on? 
give it a few years. Yeah, good point. Okay, I'm going to finish it off here. So just a couple of parish notices. Um, you'll pick this um, this fine broadcast, and I think it's been a stunning um, intro to the season. Um, you'll pick it up on iTunes in the next couple of days. Um, so watch out for the tweets from the Podding Shed, and no doubt retweeted by each and every one of us and and some of our um, our friends over at the uh, the Fancast and London is Blue, um, and all of the links that we're we're gradually building up into a, a nice little network of of, of, of um, Chelsea podcasts. Um, <clears throat> You can also go to poddingshed.com, just type it into Google or Bing, if you really are one of the three or four people that use Bing, um, and you will find, well you'll find it on Google, I'm not so sure you'd find it on Bing, it'll probably take you to a proper potting shed, or something similar, or a pudding, the, or a pudding you know shed. One, a putting shed. <laughs> a putting you know shed. One, yeah, do you know what the number one search term on Bing is? What? Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, someone t- once told me what Bing stood for. It's supposed to stand for Bing is not Google. There you yeah. go, eh? Yeah, so we know. <laughs> someone, say, yeah, don't we know? Someone someone at Microsoft probably got Employee of the Month award for that one. Um, a quick plug for the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, you can uh, join the Trust, get your voice heard by the club. The AGM was on Sunday, followed by a quiz, of which um, we have one of the victors of that quiz. Champions. With us, not champions. Uh, Martin Wickham. Um it's £5 to become a voting member. Uh, it's free for non-voting members. Um, you just don't get to vote. Uh, but you can still access various things like that. You can sign up at um, ChelseaSupportersTrust.com um, and you can attend the meetings. Uh, come to the events, um, such as quizzes, etc., and vote on issues that directly affect you. And some of them are very good. We've had the, uh, the, the rail seating debate uh, continues. It's ticket prices, away ticket prices. How do we get the youth more involved? Uh, there's a whole raft of, of issues that do affect uh, match match going fans and those who can't go to matches um, and things like kickoff times. Can I just um, butt in, Tony? I think it's yeah. important when talking about rail seating, um, particularly on social media, that you make it clear that you're not discussing whether or not they should put another two carriages on you're the line right into Waterloo <laughs> yeah. because people are having to stand for too long. Indeed. You know, that Indeed. It is a specific technical well, thing associated well, with football grounds. Exactly, yeah. And we, we could have actually set aside 20 minutes just to discuss Waterloo and what's going on there at the moment. Uh, I, I actually think you're right, um, but I think one of the things I'm going to suggest to, to, to sort of choose, one of the things I'd like to see is, is some something raised about the fact that um, there's, this, there's this incessant drive to um, stop people streaming uh, live games or whatever. Uh, when, in actual fact, if they just charged a fiver for the game, they would probably make shitloads more money because the reason people are streaming videos of live games uh, from the Premiership in this country is because there's a market for it. Um, and I just don't buy the idea that it's going to affect grassroots football in any way, really, um, especially with the disparate times of kickoffs, etc. And I think that um, the, the fans as a group need to kick off more about this and say, well, you know, you, you, you shut down streaming, um, but you won't give us the chance to watch it and we'd be willing to pay. I think, you know, a lot of people would be willing to pay. Um, anyway, that's the, uh, the, you can also follow um, the, the Chelsea Supporters Trust um, on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, we've got uh, a few weeks off now, um, unless any Anyone wants to particularly run this um, little uh, this little sideshow because I am actually off to France um, on Friday and I'm gone for three weeks, uh, so I miss the Everton game and whatever other games. I'm back in time for the Arsenal game, 
but as sod's law would have it um that's the weekend of my future son-in-law's stag weekend in bournemouth and the likelihood of me being out until four o'clock in the morning and then getting up to the game for a lunchtime kickoff on the sunday against arsenal is zero and uh, i decided not to even consider the idea so my my ticket has gone off to true blue terry um for that particular game uh so i imagine we could do a podding shed um sometime that week in the lead up to the arsenal game um mm. uh, and, and i'll put the feelers out as soon as i get back from france depending because we may have again like tonight pretty much nothing to talk about um or we may have uh, loads to talk about i think from a marketing game from a marketing point point of view, we need to sort of mirror the Premier League. So you need to do as we're doing now, grab people's interest, get them all built up, and then bog off for several weeks yes. on, an international, <laughs> on an international break. On an international which break, is, which is pretty, pretty much, much what happens with the season. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, that was my attempt at that. Um, listen, guys, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been really great. It's been uh, terrific to, to hear your dulcet tones again, uh, Donal, and the, the wonderful musical interludes. Please, please keep them coming because they. Uh, I, I have one last one that we can oh. play out when we said we'll our goodbyes because obviously we now have a tradition. Uh, and by tradition, I mean we did it once before, um, <laughs> whereby when you know a number of players leave the club, we we play out on the, uh, the by now legendary Andrea Bocelli. We don't hold it against him for turning up at Leicester and singing there. And of course, you know, time to say goodbye. Indeed. And of course, this is this is for our beloved Matic and Ake Chalabar. Traore is gone, hasn't he? Yes, he's gone yes. as well. Um, yeah, yeah. The big long list. Yeah. I'm sorry if I mean, I'm sorry if I missed your name off. He says, believing that the players actually listen to this. Okay. Begovic. We'll do it on the goodbyes then. So, first of all, yes. I'd like to say um, uh, thanks to you, Donal. Um, it's been You're it's welcome. been terrific. Um, hopefully, we'll get to get you into uh, down at Stamford Bridge for some uh, pre-match cock action at some point. Um, <laughs> hopefully, be down there. <laughs> yes, for a couple uh, of games in the autumn. Yes, yes. Uh, um, I think you'll. you'll find it a most agreeable um uh, uh, uh venue and um, and the company as well and dan an absolute pleasure mate it was great to see you on uh, on saturday um yeah ditto and i, I am definitely going to get myself down to it for a few more after game sessions good. because they look such bloody good fun and they are to be honest and, and to be honest it with is those, good fun uh yeah exactly will do mate um and and martin similar to you um I, I need to get out more after the game it's always great to see you lot in the pub and uh and 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 the banter and the and the looks of of uh of, of bewilderment when the team's announced etc um and also <laughs> at the point where we have to make a go no go decision as to whether we're going to bother going to the football at all <laughs> so yeah that, uh, that's always pleasure. a tricky one yeah <laughs> So uh, thanks very much, guys. And uh, on that note, um, goodbye for me and Donal. Music, well, good night, Astro, please. Good night, Here we chaps. Go. Good night. Goodbye. Oh. <laughs> Thank
Someone's chopping onions. <laughs>